I don't think anyone, especially during this time, should take anything personally if people want to do that and retreat inward. For me, the types of relationships I allow into my life is, like I said, I'm just trying to foster the ones that I have. But I also, of course, I'm always like open to new friendships that are challenging and interesting and have depth. I'm not going to close the door on relationship. I'm definitely open to having friends and engaging with community, but I just want to make sure that nothing is toxic or narcissistic. We all have people in our family or friends that it's draining. It reminds me of a Dementor from Harry Potter. (laughs) You get around them and they just suck all your soul out of you. And I think that people like will complain about that, but at the end of the day, it's your fault or my fault for letting that in, in your ether and in your bubble. You have to really like examine what kind of energy are you allowing around you? I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes. And listen, taking responsibility for your life outcomes and the results of your choices means that you have to acknowledge that no one else has the power to determine how your life turns out except for yourself. And today, my guest is going to help really hit home uh, that message with y'all. And my guest today is Lauren Everts Bostic, also known as the Skinny Confidential. And Lauren's going to share her incredible story to inspire you on how you can turn your pain into purpose, which ultimately will lead you to find that deep inner fulfillment and peace uh, in your journey. She also shares her tough upbringing involving death, divorce, despair, pain, and frustration. We also chat about how to set boundaries, community, how Lauren manages her anxiety, and also some tips for the audience to do the same and so much more. I also share parts of my story, including talking about uh, being incarcerated and how it relates to the isolation that many of us are facing now. And Lauren has turned her passion for beauty, wellness, and no sensor advice into one of the most distinctive blogs online today called The Skinny Confidential. And she also co-hosts a highly popular cheeky entrepreneurial podcast, The Skinny Confidential, him and her, with her husband and previous podcast guest, Michael Bostic. So I am so excited to share this episode with you today, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. So let's get this conversation going. And welcome Lauren Everts Bostic to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I, I'm incredibly inspired by your story, by everything that you and your husband have accomplished with the Skinny Confidential, your media, your blog, your platform. And just, I think the one thing that really hits home with you is one of the things I said to Michael was one of his biggest strengths is unveiling talent. And I would say your biggest strength or one of them that I see is connecting to your audience in a real raw and authentic way. And I think it really stems a lot from your past and a lot of the hardships that you've overcome. I mean, 
you experienced so much trauma at a young age that you're really lucky to be here talking with me. You've worked your butt off to get where you are. And people see the downloads, people see the following, they see a lot of the glamour today, but they don't realize that you came from a pretty tough upbringing that was involved death, divorce, despair. So, so talk a bit about where you came from and how, what inspired you going through all of your pain to inspire so many people today through your podcast, through your blog, and through your platform. Yeah, so that is such a good point that you said that people just see the end product. Yeah. Um, and it's not even the end. Like to me, I feel like I have so much more work to do, but people, they tend to sort of judge a book by its cover, but judge a social platform by its cover. And they don't see the backstory, which is why I think it's really important to talk about not for myself and my own ego, but for people to understand that anyone can do anything that they put their mind to and they can create their own future on their own terms, whatever that looks like. For me, like you said, I did have, I want to say chaotic childhood. I had really amazing parents and they really encouraged me to be whoever I wanted to be. And they never put a judgment or a cap on that. And they were both entrepreneurs and creative and really open-minded. So I was very, very lucky in that way. They did end up getting divorced, but I feel like so many people's parents have ended up getting divorced. I ended up losing my mom to suicide, which is why I'm so passionate about mental health. Mm. When I was 18 and my sister was 12. And after that, my sister developed, like imagine the worst drug addiction you can ever see or experience to heroin and meth. Wow. And it was just like, the reason I think it was so traumatic looking back is it's like we were a family of four and, and I just sort of had everything ripped. Yeah. And so did my sister because like she was dealing with all that too. And she's very young, 12 years old. So that was very challenging. And looking back, I think that it did a lot though to shape me to who I am. Like I look back on it and I can see why I do things the way I do it. And I see a lot of positives that came from it. And I remember being 18 after my mom died and being in my room and being like, seriously, like thinking I have a choice right now. I can allow this to crush me and I can play the victim and I can run around and talk about it and, and make excuses for bad behavior, or I can use this to fuel me. And I really made a conscious decision to use this to fuel me. And for a long time, I think the reason that I've been so persistent with accomplishments and succeeding was because I kind of wanted to like prove. And I talked to Tony Robbins and he said that sometimes the thing that gets you to where you are stops working. Mm. And so it's interesting because I can tell that like for 10 years of my career, I've been like prove, 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 like prove that I can like overcome adversity and challenge and like work through it and make it positive. But now I'm to the point that I became a mother and yeah. I had a daughter. And so that brought up all different kinds of emotions because of the relationship I had with my mom. So I had to sort of sit back and be like, what's the next chapter for me? What's the purpose and what's driving me? And how can I take the fuel of proving people and change it to something different? So I think my next chapter in life, like my purpose is going to be a little bit different. I'm trying to refine that and I'm still working on that. But it's interesting because if you're anywhere in life and you look at where you are, you can kind of look at what your reason is, what your purpose is. And mine was prove. And like Tony said, like it gets you to where you are, but then 
you have to examine, is it going to get you to the next 10 years? If that makes sense. A hundred percent. And I've heard you say that quote from Tony a few times, and it definitely makes sense. hundred percent. I mean, from the outside looking in, first of all, kudos to you for at such a young age, being 18, being like, I'm not going to play the victim. I'm going to own this. I'm going to make this situation, turn the situation into something incredibly positive and let it fuel me to help so many people. But then I think what probably happened is you had this high of working your tail off, creating something incredibly magical. Then all of a sudden you have your own child and it triggered or brought back memories of the last memory you have of, of maternity was with your mom. And then you probably had to pause a little bit and then COVID happens and we have more isolation and more time to ourselves in a way. And some things come to the surface that we forget was kind of there. And I think what happens a lot of times, at least in my own experience, my own healing journey is that when you suppress a lot of emotions and you just go, 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 and just get through it, get through it, get through it, it tends to creep up on you later in life, which it seems to me like it, a little bit of what you're experiencing now. But I think the positive thing is you're so open, you're so vulnerable, um, you have such humility that you're like, you know what, like it's here, I'm going to deal with it in the best way I can. And it seems that you've really um, made a great effort to take this anxiety, to take whatever trauma has crept up on you and continue to work on it so that you can help yourself, but also help the people that follow you, right? Absolutely. And be able to show up as the best version of myself. And so what that looks like in my toolbox right now is I've noticed through quarantine and through being pregnant that I need to be around nature. Yeah. If you had asked me that three years ago, I would have looked at you with a blank stare. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I've noticed I need to be outside. I need to connect with myself. I need to be still. I need to put my feet on the ground. I need to do breath work. I need to have a morning routine and I need to do self-care so I can show up as the best version of myself. Tim Ferriss said something that was so relevant to me. He said the way he combats anxiety is he is preventative about it as opposed to reactive. So instead of waiting for the anxiety to come and then dealing with it, what he does is he prevents it. And like, I have to do certain things so I can prevent it. And a lot of us have anxiety right now. I am not special. We're all dealing with anxiety in different areas. But I do think that it is important to look at your calendar in your life and see where you're being still, where you're having reading time, where you're having time to connect with your significant other. I even have in my calendar time with my daughter. Like I need a lot of daily routine practices to prevent the anxiety from even coming. And I notice on the days that I don't do it are the days that I need it most. So like, I'll give you an example. I drank way too much alcohol last week <laughs> on a Thursday and woke up and I was so hungover and I didn't do any of the things that I should do. Like I didn't go out and take a walk. I didn't go out and get sunlight. I didn't drink a bunch of water. I didn't do all like the breath work and I didn't do it. And it was horrible. Right. So I just think it's really important to have the tools in your toolbox, but then create micro systems to use those tools. And what I mean by that is on my calendar is read a chapter of the daily stoic on my calendar is breath work on my calendar is time with my daughter. Like I said, there's reading time on my calendar. And what I've realized is like, it's saying no. And this year I think has done that for everyone. We are at a point where ever, so many things have been cut off to us and you start to realize, wait a fucking minute. <laughs> I don't need as much as I thought I did. I don't need to be busy all day long. I realized that like busy was an addiction for me. It was like a gold star on my chart. And now I think it's incredibly sexy and I think it's incredibly smart 
to not have 6,000 things on my calendar. So saying no a lot and also like creating space. So like on Wednesdays, I do all my conference calls and interviews, but any other day of the week, I don't want to do it. And I know that might sound weird because I'm running a business, but I have to protect my time or else it, that's what's going to cause the anxiety. So you have to be like a gatekeeper of your time and just really be a practitioner of your calendar. I 100% respect that. And I'm thankful that you took the time to do our interview with everything you have going on. And I've heard you talk about recently how you've had boundaries in your life so that you can protect your peace, protect your energy. And it's not about like just the fact that you own a business. It's just like, you got to protect yourself so that you can be your best self. So you can be that great spouse. So you can be a great mom. So you can be a great podcast host. So you can be a great person for people to look up to on social media, whatever the case may be. And you're right. A lot has been put into perspective during this time. I was telling your husband when I interviewed him, one of the things that was really put into perspective with me when I was incarcerated was my freedom, you know, and you don't realize what you take for granted until it's taken from you. And when I couldn't talk to who I wanted to, I couldn't go where I wanted to. I couldn't eat what I wanted to. When I got out, I realized like, wow, I have been taking so much for granted. I've been taking the people in my life for granted. I've been taking my health for granted. I've been taking certain things that I had in my possession for granted. And it inspired me to be like, all right, like, what do I need to really get rid of? What do I need to put more focus on? What's going to keep me you know, in check with my mental health and prevent me from going back into jail. And that's what really helped spark my own transformation. And it seems like you're doing the very same thing in a different way. You're looking at yourself and saying, I had a baby. I'm overwhelmed. I got a lot going on. I'm getting anxious. Things are creeping up on me. I don't want to backtrack in my mental health. I want to show up to the best version of me as possible and set some boundaries so that I can continue to grow and get better. And I think a lot of people struggle to set boundaries because they're, they think that if they say no to somebody, that somebody's going to get hurt, or if they say no to somebody that they're going to lose out on money. And in reality, if you're burned out and you're struggling with your mental health, your ability to help other people and make more money is, is not going to happen anyway. Totally agree. Totally agree. You have to create the boundaries. I was reading this study the other day that says you can only really have serious deep relationships with 30 people. Mm. After 30 people, your brain like it does something or it maxes out. And what I notice is sometimes people will text me or email me and they want a response right away. Right. And I want to have this conversation more because I feel like there's like a self-awareness chip missing sometimes because if, if you're coming into my inbox or I'm coming into your text message, you are taking someone's commodity of time mm. and their currency. And just because you text someone, it doesn't mean you should get an answer right away. I sometimes take two weeks to text people back. I would have never said this five years ago, but it's truly impossible with this new thing where you can just reach anyone at any time over DM, text, or email to, as a human, to be an octopus texting everyone back and pleasing everyone all day long. It's almost like we're in this generation now where everyone just thinks they can get a hold of everyone whenever they want. So what I do like with that, and this has to do with mental health, believe it or not, like it's the anxiety of, oh my God, I have to respond. Oh my God, I have to do this. I have to do that. It's like, we're, we're doing so many things. You can do anything, but you can't do everything. And I feel like for so long, everyone was trying to do everything. And then COVID hit. Mm. 
Mm. And I think people are creating these boundaries now where it's like, if you're going to text me, don't expect a response right away anymore. I feel like I can feel people's boundaries and I, I'm about it. I like it. Yeah, you're so right because I think now with the society we live in, it's 2020, people can get a hold of anybody through DM, through email, through Google, whatever, and they will blow people's phones up and be like, all right, I texted you, you haven't responded in an hour, you used to respond in an hour, let me get a text back or let me get a text back in a day. And it's like people are busy and I think now more than ever during this time, hopefully people have looked in the mirror and said, I really need to stay off social media more. I need to focus more on my health. I need to protect my immunity. I need to focus on how to handle anxiety, depression, whatever, the best I can. And I think it's the people that haven't learned to re-channel and redistribute that anxious energy they had during COVID that are going to continue to blow people's stuff up because they just don't know what to do with all this energy that they have. And I, I respect people who have boundaries because it makes me know that you're actually taking care of yourself. And if you set boundaries, people are going to respect you more because they're going to say, you know what, like that person's actually putting themselves first and I respect it. I might not like it, but I respect it. And speaking of boundaries, I know that community has played a massive role in your success as a podcaster, as a blogger, in your life, as a mom, as a wife. Talk a bit about like the types of people that you surround yourself with. You say, I heard you mention a few minutes ago that they say you can only have, you know, 30 close relationships in your life. What types of people do you let in your life these days? I think just like a larger conversation before I tell you the relationships I allow is that there's this entitlement to people's time. Yeah. Conversation needs to be had more because it, with the smartphone, there is an entitlement. People just think that they can drop in. Like, like you were saying, I feel like the relationships that I let in, I'm to the point where I'm just trying to water the relationships that I have. Right. And I think that with quarantine, it's, you said people have so much energy because they don't know what to do with it. I think that it's time for us to be still and go inward. Yep. I really do. I feel that kind of energy in the air where it's like everyone, instead of like making all these plans and booking their calendar out needs to be still Ryan holiday. Like who doesn't know him? He's amazing wrote that book stillness is the key and it's like right now is time where we are given a moment to look inward and look at what we really want and I don't think anyone especially during this time should take anything personally if people want to do that and retreat inward for me the types of relationships I allow into my life is like I said I'm just trying to foster the ones that I have but I also of course I'm always like open to new friendships that are challenging and interesting and have depth. I'm not going to close the door on relationships because like trying to cap it off at 30, I'm definitely open to having friends and engaging with community, but I just want to make sure that nothing is toxic or narcissistic. We all have people in our family or friends that it's draining. I call them, it reminds me of a dementor from Harry Potter. Like, <laughs> you get around them and they just suck all your soul out of you. And I think that people like will complain about that, but at the end of the day, it's your fault or my fault for letting that in, in your ether and in your bubble. You have to really like examine what kind of energy are you allowing around you? You're right. And I think one of the things that people really struggle with is isolation. And I'm not just saying this because of COVID I'm talking pre COVID it's because a lot of people are so miserable with who they are inside that, 
they have to fill themselves up with other things, whether it be drugs, alcohol, people, social media, TV. I mean, I go on and on. And during this time when people have really been forced to look within because a lot of people are stuck at home by themselves or with one other person, it's very uncomfortable. But I believe that if you can get comfortable in the discomfort, if you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, like this is going to be really hard, but I'm going to do whatever I can to do the work, feel better so that I can become a better version of myself each and every day, you'll stop kicking that can further down the road and pushing away the the work that you actually need to do. When COVID happened for me personally, I relate a lot to what you said about um, really just trying to prove people wrong and prove yourself. Like when, I, when I got out of jail, I was trying to prove people that I could stay clean, that I could have success, that I would make money, that I would get fit, that I would repair my relationships with my family. And I rode that high for a long time. And I wrote a few books, shared my story a lot. And then I got to a point earlier this year where I still felt there was some stuff inside of me that I needed to work on. I didn't know what it was. And I ended up talking to a coach to help me with my inner child. And I was like, I, I was like, I didn't even understand why somebody in my position or somebody who's had success is still like battling some stuff with my childhood. And he said to me, he said, you've probably taken this success and it's filled some void inside of you that you haven't looked at. And it forced me to really go deep, Lauren, in my own healing, in my own inner child work. And it was, it humbled me because as somebody who I try to be as positive as I can online, be vulnerable, be real about who I am and the growth I've had in my own recovery journey to have to say, man, there's some more work I have to do. It's, it's humbling. It's scary, but it's also freeing because now I can connect to my audience even more and say, you know what? Like I'm still struggling because I think there's this facade that's put up on social media that people that host the podcast, people are in the health and fitness community, people that are successful, never struggle. And it's total bullshit. Like everybody struggles. It's just the way we go about it. It's different. The way we handle stress, the way we handle anxiety, the way we handle depression is much more different than the people that continue to spiral down this dark path. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I take every day, either in my coffee or in a smoothie. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result, fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Again, earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Check it out for yourself and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Well, I think maybe the difference is that when you're in this space, you're constantly trying to improve your mindset. Like, yeah. I think you take those pockets of time. For instance, like if I'm driving to work out, I'm listening to a podcast. If I'm yeah. making the bed, I'm listening to an audible book. Like every opportunity is, is such an opportunity to learn. And just going back to what you said about being incarcerated, I feel like you probably have a wisdom that not a lot of people have 
because you had your freedoms taken away. And I bet you, I'm just guessing that quarantine is a lot easier for you than it is for other people, because you probably feel like, shit, this is, we're still free. Like, it's not like we're locked in a jail cell. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of that. I remember people asking me about it when it first happened. And there is, it's, I'm used to being with my own feelings, being with my own emotions. Cause when I was incarcerated, I had a three, 400 milligram a day Oxycontin habit to the point where half my left nose was missing and was constipated for a month. So I was self-medicating myself to the point. It was almost like I was like trying to kill a horse, with the amount of drugs I was taking. And when it all came out of my system in jail, I was faced with me and me in jail. All the masks came off. My emotions were as real and raw as ever. And I was forced to deal with them in a healthy way. I was forced to start working out. I was forced to start practicing gratitude. I was forced to start changing the way I talked to myself. And because of all that, I started to reattach behaviors to certain emotions I had. But the difference now, I think for me, and I was being asked this the other day is at least when I was in jail, I knew when I was going in, I knew when I was getting out. I knew when my probation was up. Now there's so much uncertainty when we don't know when the the lockdown and the restrictions are going to come and go. Like I have no control over that. I had control over a lot of my behaviors in jail when I got out because I knew it was up to me where now it's not. And not to say this is harder. It's just different. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And it it seems like, though, that the reason that I think people would want to listen to your podcast, though, is because you've been through that and you have perspective. For me, it's like going back to the relationship thing. There has to be depth. And it sounds like you've had a lot of depth and you've had to come out through the adversity to the other side. And it's inspiring. Um, I mean, I, I, well, I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And it took a lot of work and it took my cellmate. Like he literally instilled the same mindset in me that you had when you were 18. I was 21. And by the time I was 21 years old, I had 20 jobs. I'd never been in a relationship. I was overweight, convicted felon, addicted to drugs. And my cellmate was like a more jacked version of Brad Pitt from Fight Club. And I've told this story a lot. And for those listening, if you've heard it before, you know what I'm talking about. And he started working out and he was like, you're going to start working out with me. And I was like, bullshit. Have you seen me? I could have been a model for Pillsbury at the time just to paint like a picture of what I looked like. And he just kept asking me about my story and I was blaming my parents for getting divorced. I was blaming my like, people for picking on me in school. I was blaming the girls for rejecting me in high school. And he said, dude, quit being a freaking victim. Like, quit being a wuss. That's, and I was like, what do you mean? He's like, did somebody force you to use drugs in response to all this? I was like, no. He's like, did somebody force you to sell drugs? And I'm like, no. He's like, the people force you to make all these bad decisions? And I'm like, no. He's like, you got yourself here. It might not have been your fault, but you chose to get yourself into jail. And he said, you have two choices right now. You can be a man, own your choices, take responsibility and change your life because it's up to you. Or you can be, I mean, he called me a bitch in jail, which is not what you want to be called in jail or in life today. This is back in 2008. And go cry in the corner and say, what was me? And blame everybody for my problems. And back in that moment, I was like, okay, blaming people for my problems, being a victim got me this way. Let me step to the right a little bit and try this. And that's what inspired me to start working out, which is... I started with one push-up that led to two to 10 and people know my story of listening to the show and it changed my life completely because now I finally got comfortable being uncomfortable. I got down in front of a bunch of grown men and did push-ups when I was so scared and terrified and to do so I was mortified. And from that moment on, I was like, I'm going to use adversity to my advantage. It might not be easy, but I'm never going to go back to that old person that I was. 
And so for people listening right now and just listening to what you had to, what you just shared, Lauren, is that nothing good comes from pushing your problems away. Nothing good comes from blaming others. And I think that's why you have been so successful in your businesses because you have continued to take responsibility for yourself, own your shit and continue to evolve as a human through your days, teaching Pilates, through your days, bartending, through starting the podcast at your house, not making money for years on it through the blog, through everything. And it's incredibly inspiring as well. That's very nice of you. I feel like you need to write a book though. Okay. I need to read your book. I, <laughs> I love, I I'm so interested in, in prison. One of my best friends was incarcerated for a year and a half and she just wrote a book on it. I have to connect you guys. You, she has a podcast too, and you guys have to do a podcast swap. It would be so good. She just wrote a book called Fuck My Life, and it was all about her experience in the prison system. So you guys have to talk. And I just find prison so intriguing because you're right. You said it earlier. Like, you do have to sit with yourself, and there's no one but me, myself, and I. Like, I cannot even imagine having to look at yourself in the mirror every single day and be like, I can't zone out with alcohol. I can't zone out with pot. I can't microdose. I can't just all these things. And you have to like sit and like, just really examine who you are. You're right. And I'd love to talk to her and, and jail saved my life. And for so many people, it doesn't so many people, they get caught up in the system and it's unfortunate. And I'm hoping that someday we can do some sense of reform to help people who go in for nine nonviolent drug charges to help get them the proper treatment and rehabilitation. But it literally saved my life. I mean, I went into jail crying because I didn't want to go in. And then I left crying because I didn't want to leave because I had this guy help save my life. And I have my workout plan framed like a few feet from where I am now. So I never forget where I came from. And that's been my mission is to pay it forward. You know, and I think life is hard, Lauren, when you're trying to make a change. And one of the things that I talk about is there's so many people that will never experience physical prison. Never. They will never have to go to jail. But, but there's so many people that will experience mental prison. And I think that's way worse. People are stuck and they're unhappy with themselves. They're stuck in relationships they don't want to be in. They're stressed out all the time. They're overweight. And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about mentally, baggage, trauma, stuff they haven't worked through. And all I, what I can tell people is until you work through that stuff, you will never experience fulfillment. I'm not talking about, you can have success, but you will never experience true fulfillment in life. And that's why I continue to talk on the show and say, okay, like the tough stuff's here. We're going through it and it's going to continue to happen. What are you going to do about it? And I, I love your podcast. I like the platform you guys have created for people to open up and be real and raw. You had like one of my closest friends, Amy Dresner on the show. I know she's got an incredible story as well. I love her. And she's the best. She's the best. And you guys provide such a safe space for people to talk to. Like, I feel safe talking to you and opening up. And that says a lot about you and everything you've come from, because I think your passion for helping others, I think your authenticity and wanting to help make a difference in so many people's lives stems from your pain. I think so much of your pain has become your purpose and not just in one sense, but over the years, everything you go through, you're like, how can I share? How can I share about gaining the, the weight after having a baby and how crippling it was, how it helped, how it hurt your self-esteem and the shame of taking time away from your, your child. Like, how can I share my message with people to help get them further along on their journey? And I think that's very commendable. 
Thank you so much. That's so nice of you. I do hope by opening up about certain issues that people realize that everyone goes through shit. There's nothing worse when you talk to someone and everything looks perfect and it's like everything's like so done up and there's no like cracks in the facade, the veneer. I definitely am more attracted to people that like own their truth and are quirky. I always tell Michael, I'm like, give me anything in a person, but don't give me boring and don't give me like overly perfect. Yeah. No one's perfect. We all have flaws and it's so much easier to just talk about them. It takes the tabooness away. And I mm. think that that's why I started blogging in the first place. It's like, I saw this, this medium in 2010 where there was only girls showing their outfits or, or what makeup they were wearing. And I was like, okay, I need to shake this up. I want to talk about birth control and I want to talk about addiction and I want to talk about Kegels and boob jobs mm -hmm. and Botox. And this is 2010. So it was like very taboo. And I think, I hope that what I have contributed in, in some small, tiny way to this industry is, is people opening up about their truth, whatever that looks like. And I think the people that are going to judge shouldn't follow me. And I, I'm not the person to follow. Right. Because we are going to have every single walk of life on our podcast and we're going to continue to do it. And that doesn't mean that I agree with every single person we have on, but it means that I'm a media outlet that wants to interview all different kinds of people and hear all different kinds of stories. So that's what we try to bring to the table. Yeah, you do an, an amazing job. And I, I've noticed myself that you have people from all walks of life, all different belief systems. And I think what I've learned, and I'm sure maybe you get the same sense too, is that when you have the same people that align with you on your show, it gets really boring and it gets easy. It doesn't challenge you the same way of having different people on because then you, you get to learn and you get to practice your empathy and compassion and, and things that really matter right now as we're going through tough times where there is a lot of division, there is a lot of stress that we need to be practicing more compassion and empathy for people. And that goes for social media. It goes for when we're listening to a podcast. And it's funny, I had someone the other day, they were like, who's the most challenging person you've interviewed on your show? It was something like that. I was like, I don't know. I, the people that challenge me are these the science people because I was really bad in science in school. And because of my fascination with mental health and addiction and everything else, I brought on scientists and therapists and people that are super smart. And like, sometimes I'm like studying these people, reading their books. And I'm like, my head is fried. Like Amy loves science, Amy Dresden. I'm telling her, I'm like, Amy, I don't understand. And she's kind of like giggling at me. And I'm like, this is so challenging. But I think if you're having a podcast and your guests don't challenge you, then you're not going to change. I completely, totally agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important. So I, I want to pivot a little bit to you're starting this blog in 2010. You're, I'm sure, experiencing uh, a lot of doubt, a lot of insecurities about whether this is the right thing, like most people do. Did you ever think that you would, I mean, I'm sure, did you ever think you would end up where you are today? When you I, I actually did not experience doubt or insecurity and I'm going to tell you why. Hmm. And it's not, that's not to be cocky. I'm just being dead honest. Yeah. I was naive and I think it's a really fucking great way to go into entrepreneurship. My dad taught me this. There's some, so many people think that you have to read all these books and go to business school and get your master's degree and do all the accolades and the degrees and da 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 before you can speak. I completely disagree. I want to completely disrupt mm. that, that thought. 
I went into it so naive. I was like, I'm building a brand. It's eventually going to sell products, but I want to garner a community and I want to provide value and I'm not going to worry about money up front. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. No idea. I, I just knew from the beginning, the overall vision was to build a brand. And for me, that was like speck of water dripping in a huge lake. It's like, okay, I have to start with one speck, then add another speck, add another speck. It was never like, how do I make money right away? That was never like my intention. My intention was value, value, value. The money will come, but it doesn't, I don't need to lead with that. And so I was naive. I had no idea what I was fucking doing. I was a solopreneur. I was bartending and I just put myself out there over and over every single day, like rinse and repeat. So that's why I didn't have any of the doubt or the lack of confidence because if I had known everything I know now, I maybe would feel very differently. But at the time I was 22 years old. I didn't know. So my advice to entrepreneurs is like, stop with the courses, stop with the classes, listen to podcasts and listen to Audible all day long while you're doing things, but don't think that just because you do four years in business school and get a master's degree, that you're automatically going to be so enlightened on entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is strapping your bootstraps on, doing the work and actually putting yourself out there, in my opinion. It's experience and nothing, not school, not courses, not reading, not listening to Audible can prepare you in the way experience can. And so there is something very attractive about being naive and put and, and, and starting as an entrepreneur in a naive way. And another example of that is like a King Batch. Like if you look at his Instagram, like he started with Vine, he started doing Vines and now he's a huge movie star. He has like 10 million followers, this huge following. A lot of these people that we all look up to Logan Paul, like Mm -hmm. uh, all these people that have these huge platforms, look at them. And I think they were naive when they started too. Yeah. You look at Dean Graziosi, who you just had on your show. He was a guest on mine too. And that, I mean, he experienced work, perseverance, just kept going. Right. And a lot of people didn't, don't see the climb of, of people when they go through things like that. And I think a couple of things stick out to me through your journey. You said you were naive and you didn't have those insecurities, which I can definitely see based on where you came from i think you 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 went through so much as a young kid you were like this is nothing i mean i just lost my mom my parents got divorced i had to do help with my sister and then the other thing i think too which is important for people to hear is you had a very strong why attached to what you were doing so it lessened the load a lot because you're like i want to do this i want to help people i want to put myself out there where trying to do this to make a ton of money to get rich quick, you were like, I genuinely like doing this. And I think the money will come down the road. And I think a lot of people listening to this, that's how it has to be. I mean, one of the things that I tell people, people ask me, one of the questions I like, get is, how do you get on podcasts? I'm like, well, listen, learn how to add value to somebody's audience, whether that's sharing your story, some tips you have. Don't go and try to sell a product on a podcast right? People will follow and buy your stuff if they like you. But if you're trying to sell stuff without anybody even knowing who you are, you're going to lose the audience. And the same goes for, for life. If you're trying to build something meaningful, there has to be a sense of meaning and purpose behind what you're doing. Like, why are you really doing it on an emotional level? I know from my own experience, I was very similar and the reason I started getting on podcasts was to just share my story to help people because I knew people were struggling with addiction. I was like, I need to get my message out there. I didn't go to AA. I didn't go to NA. I used fitness. I was in jail. And people would be like, oh, you're flying to LA to go on so-and-so show. Are they paying you? I'm like, paying me? I'm like, what? No, why would they pay me? I'm a nobody. Like, I'm just trying to build my, 
my, my platform so people can listen to my message and be inspired. Like, I don't want to be paid for this. But then like on the back end, what ended up happening was people heard my message and they're like, wow, you have an inspiring story. Can we book you to speak or buy sold books? But it wasn't like I was going into that expecting it. And then just like with you, I'm sure, I'm sure the messages from the, the, your community of how much you impacted their life went so much further than if they were to buy one of your products. Am I correct? So much further. And you're so right. Like I, whenever someone comes on and starts selling me something, I tune out. It's, it's just not a good strategy. People, this is what I say to everyone. When you're a smart person, you should assume everyone else is smart. There's so many people that I see that are so successful and smart, but they think they're smarter than other people. That is such a big mistake. And I assume that my audience is smarter than me. So I'm not trying to outsmart my audience. And I'm certainly not going to try to sell them, uh, like just sell, ask, 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 ask. There's nothing better than someone who comes on our podcast. And I'm sure you can relate to this and just tells their story. And if someone wants to find you after you tell your story, they will seek you out. In fact, it's actually more powerful for them to go seek you out as opposed to like hawking a book. Yeah. And I, I feel awkward when people are like, oh, do you have anything coming up that you want to, I'm like, I, I mean, I'm like, dude, just interview me. Like, let me just tell my story or ask me whatever you want. I'm an open book. I'm not a guy who likes staged questions either. I don't, I don't like, even like for our interview and any of the other ones, I don't, I don't really come up with like staged questions. I mean, I have topics I want to cover, but I, I mean, I think they're more real and raw the more I stutter, the more I might have forgot what I said. I think the more my audience will relate. I think the same probably goes for you. The more staged I am, because I, I did at the beginning, I remember I was like, all right, I got to be perfect. I got to be on. I want people to listen to it. But then I remembered like people relate to humility and vulnerability and the, the, the mess ups. They don't relate so much to perfection because no one's perfect. We live in a world where there's so many, where so, everybody's an imperfect perfectionist right? We're trying, everyone's trying to be perfect yet. We all know we're imperfect. And in a world of social media, buying followers, buying this, buying that, follow me, follow this. We put our, we put clout so much into the things that are external. And I know for you, like you have the the following, you have the downloads, you have the daughter, you have, you have the marriage, but I know what fulfills you most, I think is just who you are as a person and how you are as a spouse, how you are as a mom and what kind of good you're providing to your community, right? Totally. Yeah. I think that the most important thing to me, obviously, is my family and my mental health. And if I have those two things, I can be effective and efficient. Mm. And again, it's all about implementing those day-to-day strategies that help you do that. And that includes, and we talked about this earlier, self-care and mental health in the calendar. I want to read when I wake up. I want to read when I go to bed. It's non-negotiable. And it includes really protecting your time. I cannot stress that enough. Protecting your time, the most successful people I see are brutal with their time. They really are. And I said yes, and this is another Tony Robbins situation. I said yes for the first seven years of my career to every single thing that came my way. School project. Every single interview you can possibly imagine, anything, I said yes. And then I realized the yes after seven years wasn't serving me anymore. So it was time to maybe start saying no. So you constantly have to examine your day-to-day habits, like saying yes, and adjust them as you grow. Because to actually scale and be efficient, 
you do, you do have to make sure that you're being a practitioner of your time and your life and your calendar. A hundred percent. Cause I think at the end of the day, if you, like we've said this several times on the show, if you can't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of anybody else in your life. And if some, if something triggers somebody or upsets them, because you said, no, that's on them, that's on somebody else and something they have going on internally that you saying no to being on a podcast, that you saying no to meeting them for lunch, that you saying no to getting on an hour phone call when your schedule is booked, that's on them. And I think if people can really take just one thing from our conversation is that we only have control over one thing and that's how we treat ourselves. That's our own actions, our own behaviors. And the last question I want to ask you, there's been so much gold in this episode, but the last question I want to ask you is this, is... I want you to like kind of picture you're talking to that 20-something-year-old Lauren, and she's just pivoting out of bartending and Pilates and Pure Bar. You got the $80 in your bank account. And I know you said you kind of got through everything, but what would your advice, knowing what you know now, what would your advice be to her back then? My advice would be the same advice I gave myself at that age, which is don't listen to anyone. Mm. Because... Everyone's going to try to tell you why you shouldn't do it. And I feel like we're in this day and age where there's too much content. It's content coming at you from every single end. And it's the same with opinions, right? It's like, if you start asking everyone their opinion about your business, they're going to tell you 5,000 reasons why it's not going to work as opposed to why it's going to work. So I would say, don't listen to anyone's opinion. I would also say, and this is an interesting one, (laughs) don't worry about college. For me, college was not the right decision. I went, I did the four years, I graduated. I learned way more bartending, way more. I learned how to manage people. I learned how to multitask. I learned how to be effective, efficient. I learned how to manage different energies at the same time. I learned about people. I learned how to listen. So I would say if you're out there and you, your goal is to be entrepreneurial or a solopreneur, to instead of exploring 20 different careers or going to school and figuring out what you like, I would say sit down, have a real conversation about what it is that interests you that doesn't make you money. Do that on the side and then do a service industry job like bartending. So what that's going to do is instead of you working for, like say you want to be a magazine editor and you work for Vogue and Mademoiselle and Marie Claire and all the different magazines, what I would say is start your own magazine and bartend. So you can learn those people skills bartending while working at night from five to noon, to midnight. And then you have the whole day to yourself. So instead of working for all these different people, seeing what it is you like, work on your side hustle that over time is actually going to be in uh, end up your career and do something that's fun and service industry related while also learning about human nature. That's some incredible advice. I think in this day when if people are trying to make it as an entrepreneur, it's definitely experience over ed formal education, right? You'll learn more from your experience in doing things and trying things and being around people and failing and getting back up uh, and, and going through adversity than you ever really will sitting in a chair, looking at a screen, doing homework. And that's not to say if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, and you actually requires you to go to school, by all means go to school. But for the most part, there's a lot of things that do not require a formal education. So Lauren, I really wanted to thank you for your time today. I know it's valuable. Like I, like I alluded to earlier, the, the audience is going to get so much out of your realness, your rawness, your honesty 
um, in your own journey and everything you're doing. And so they're going to definitely want to go listen to the Skinny Confidential podcast. I mean, one of the ones that I like to listen to, I know your audience is is mainly women there, but I, f- I feel like there's more men that are coming. I like listening to the show. I think I get a lot of value out of it. And then we can also follow you at the Skinny Confidential. There's at TSC Podcast, I believe, too. Anything else that you want to let the audience know? Yeah, they can find me, like you said, at the Skinny Confidential, him and her podcast. And I'm at the Skinny Confidential on Instagram. And the Skinny Confidential has nothing to do with being skinny. It's about getting the juice, getting the skinny. It's a cheeky resource for women on beauty, health, and wellness. Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to include all that in the show notes. And for those listening, you know, please listen to this. And this is going to be one like many. You pause a few times and just write down maybe a nugget that Lauren said. Maybe it was something that I said. I know I shared a little bit about my journey in this one too. And maybe how it can apply to your life and what you're going through right now. Or maybe you're somebody that's been chasing after money, chasing after success for the wrong reasons. Or maybe you're struggling with your mental health or setting boundaries, or you're in a place where you really need to look yourself in the mirror and say, I've been putting something off for so long. I need to take a chance on myself now before it's too late. And once again, if you really enjoyed this episode and you got something out of it that had an impact on your life, screenshot it tag myself, tag Lauren, let us know what you thought of it because we look forward to hearing your feedback. And uh, once again, we thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes. We'll see you next time.